Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me are my co-hosts, Scott King from the Football Garbage Time, as well as Adam Aniva from the Burgundy Gold Report. Hey, Scott, first of all, it's been a while. How you been doing, man? Good. I'm busy. I can't believe the draft's almost here. Time to... <laughs> <laughs> it really sneaks up on you, doesn't it? It just, just totally sneaks up on you, particularly with all this work from home. For all, all, what I understand, you're not even working from home. You're just trying to build Skynet out there for us. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. All right. I, I like, I'm going to stick with that. That's my story. I'm going to stick with it. I like that better than reality. So, <laughs> hey, Adam, listen, yeah. we need to have some words because both of us watched the new Mortal Kombat movie. And I know you were disappointed, oh so I'm going to let you have first crack at this because I don't know, um, you know, I don't know sure why you're disappointed because that's, and don't say it's dialogue that you're disappointed in because we all know that we're tuning into the Mortal Kombat movie, the only dialogue you want is someone yelling finish him or fatality over and over again, right? <laughs> that's, that's the only dialogue we care about. I, but <laughs> I guess, I, I guess my thing is exactly like how many times are you going to do the same thing? And again, yeah, I like to hear, you know, they threw some curse words in it. I love the violence in it. And, and again, I don't. I, I said to everyone, it's not something I would say don't go see. See, it's not like oh, I disappointed. I watched it. It's just, right. I guess I should have walked into it and be like, you know, I'm not going to expect much. But the, exactly the acting, I just going to get past it. And I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like it's such a hyped up thing. I feel like you could get a couple actors. And man, it's just the acting was so bad. Like you said, you look at all the other ones, and I guess it, it's kind of in the realm. You know, if we go back and we look at you know the Jean Claude Van Damme movies and stuff, so oh, the yeah, acting yeah, was yeah. bad. <laughs> it it well, kind of throw back to those, John so Claude, I, I need to get some more respect. That was really bad. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. this is definitely a step up from that. And and Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that you're way too busy to be watching this crap, um, so you didn't take a side on this. But I'm gonna suggest you go watch it and take a side, and I'm gonna pull you later, and you can be the tiebreaker on this one. Yeah, it's on the <laughs> list. I just haven't gotten to it yet. All right, and just keep in mind, no, don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about story. You don't have to worry about acting. Character development, none of that. You don't have to worry about any of that. That's the brilliance of the movie, I think. <laughs> anyway, we have a special podcast today dedicated to the upcoming NFL Draft, which is going to start this Thursday, April 29th. We're going to discuss the impact of the Orlando Brown Jr. trade between the Ravens and the Chiefs on draft. We're going to discuss the second round of the seventh annual Football Garbage Time Twitter NFL Mock Draft. We're going to have a special DIR prospect segment today to discuss the small school prospects to watch at the NFL Draft. And we'll have NFL Draft prop bets like we do every year. And much more. Let's get rolling. All right, so I do want to keep talking about Mortal Kombat, but let's talk about football here. <laughs> Orlando Brown Jr., who could really could be a character in Mortal Kombat. I can I can see that actually. Anyway, Orlando Brown Jr. from the Baltimore Ravens uh, was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, Orlando Brown Jr. being a Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and the exchange was for draft picks in total. The Ravens acquire three picks in the upcoming NFL draft, a first-rounder at number 31 overall, a third-rounder at number 94, and a fourth-rounder rounder at number 136, as well as a fifth-round selection in 2022. The Chiefs get in return their starting left tackle in Brown, as well as Baltimore's second-round pick in 2021. That's number 58 overall, and a sixth-rounder 
in 2022. Now, Baltimore had been open to trading Brown since he tweeted on January 29th that, quote, I'm a left tackle. Brown, who filled in for the injured left tackle Ronnie Staley for the last 11 games last season, has publicly stated that his late father wanted him to play left tackle, and that's what he wants to do. So kudos to the uh, to the Ravens in some ways to navigating that sticky situation, getting something back. Scott, let's start with you. In your opinion, who won this trade, and how does this impact the draft? Yeah, I think this one for me comes down to just the Chiefs, were able to take away a, a key player from the Ravens. So they win regardless of, mm-hmm. of how the rest <laughs> of the picks go. So um, I think just by taking down really, I, I would say one of their chief rivals at this point going into uh, every season, you know, starting a couple of years ago, that's really one of their, their top competition. Um, right. So, I, I mean, obviously they're moving a ton of picks and, and sure maybe some of these picks could, could pop and, and for the Ravens to grab, um, that many in this year's draft is, is quite interesting. Um, so we'll see. I, I would expect the Ravens to probably bundle some of these from this year and maybe move up, right? Maybe they plan to take the 31st and something else and, and jump up. But I'd say for this season, the Chiefs definitely won. Uh, long haul, we'll have to see how, they, how all these picks pan out. Yeah, no doubt. There's definitely a lot to break down on that. And we're going to talk a little bit about how this impacts the draft again as we talk about the mock draft picks. But, um, Adam, let's turn to you for a second. What do you think? In your opinion, who won this trade? How does it impact the draft? Of course, you know, everyone's going to look at the compensation. But you have Kansas City. They're one of those few teams that an additional player or two could, you know, swing the pendulum. So if they truly feel that Brown could be that player – in the end, the compensation, it's really a moot point because it, I think we saw in the Super Bowl the lack of protection was a big issue. So yeah. I don't think it's going to stop here. I think they will use whatever resources they end up having in the draft if they trade back or whatever, but they're, you know, they, they're going to be limited. But I do think they'll just continue to stockpile that offensive line and you know anything around Mahomes to help him because you know that's their golden goose. So they'll add some pieces on defense here and there but you know make no mistake this is an offensive team. So adding Brown, you know that was their that was their haul. So you could argue in their spot could they get anybody as good as him? Probably not. So I think you know investing in that position, you know he's relatively young for the most part and you know right. it, it is a lot hindsight but like I said it's Kansas City. Yeah, and they rebuilt that offensive line. I mean, they, they they saw their franchise getting hit over and over again, even though he suffered from an injury. And they rebuilt that thing basically from the ground up. They got Joe Sonny. They, they signed to a five-year deal. They got Kyle Long to come out of retirement. They got they added Austin Blythe. And, of course, they're going to get Laurent Duvernay-Tardif back, who opted out in 2020 due to COVID. And now they add Orlando Brown Jr. So certainly making Patrick Mahomes a happy man. All right, let's move on to the next topic here because um, – this is what we've been working on for the last couple of weeks now, and we are done with the second round of our mock draft. So this will actually kind of is a nice way of kind of putting it all together, how this impacts how these draft picks are, because we drafted the second round after the pick was made. So let's talk about this five picks at a time. I'm going to go to each of you guys and ask you about your, um, your thoughts on it. Uh, generally, if any of these picks stood out as good, bad, ugly, or otherwise. Here we go. So pick 33. First round, first pick of the second round, we had Aziz Jalari, the edge rusher uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was picked by Chris Hopper of the Beer Fields Fantasy po- Football Podcast. And at, at 34, we had the New York Jets. I picked Ifiatu Malafonu, the cornerback 
for the Jets. At 35, FXP Jr. took Nick Bolton, the outside linebacker, uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. And at 36, we had Wole Akinzo from the urban sports scene take Alex Leatherwood for the Miami Dolphins. And at 37, we had Chris Hopper, again, from the Beer-Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast, taking Terrace Marshall Jr., the wide receiver, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's start with you, Adam. Picks 33 to 37. Do any of those pick out as, uh, stand out to you as good, bad, or ugly? Well, the number one that stands out to me is the Nick Bolton. I'm a huge Nick Bolton fan. Um, I just don't see how – I've watched him go from – a top, I think it was, at one time I saw him a top 25 on most sites. He's slowly mm-hmm. dropping back, and I just don't get it because I watched his pro day. That's 4 5 four. He's a thumper middle linebacker, but I think when you saw what Parsons did, now Jamin Davis, Cox, these flashy, you know, coverage guys. But the thing is, Bolton can play coverage as well. So to see him drop this low, to me, that's my biggest surprise. Um, I think mm-hmm. that he will go in the first round, even if it's a little later. Um, other than that, um, the Mathelon uh, Wanu, excuse me, um, for the Jets, I think his brother actually came into the league with the Patriots as that safety cornerback tweener. Um, unlike his brother, I think that he is a true cornerback, and I think he mm-hmm. has the size to be a legit corner. So that stands out to me as great value for the Jets and the Falcons, great value with Bolton. But, you know, if you can walk away with two guys like that that are arguably guys that I think belong in the end of the first round, that, that's awesome value. Excellent. Well, that's a, that's a, that's good to hear. I feel I feel vindicated with the pick for the Jets at least. Thanks for that, Adam. I appreciate that. Scott, <laughs> what about you? Picks thirty three to thirty seven. Any of those things stand out to you as good, bad, or ugly? Yeah, like like a, um, like I said, I, I like the Bolton pick. Um, I think that was a um, a nice one to find there for the Falcons, and and I agree. I think he'll be off the board at that point. Yep. Okay. Let's move on to the next couple of picks here. Let's go start with thirty eight. So we had Adam kicking us off at 38 for the Cincinnati Bengals with Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver. At 39, we had Chris Hopper coming back around. We had Kellen Mond, the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. And at 40, I jumped in there for the Denver Broncos, and I got Kyle Trask, the quarterback from Florida. And then we go down to 41, and Scott, you took Nico Collins, the wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. And at 42, they have the New York Giants, and Joanne took Jalen Mayfield, the offensive lineman. So I'm going to start with you this time, Scott. Picks 38 to 42. Any of those generally stand out to you as good, bad, or ugly? Yeah, I think for me, the, the reason I took Collins for Detroit was, was a signal along with my first-round pick, which was to take Sewell for them, that, that I definitely don't want them grabbing a, a wide receiver or top of the draft, wait for these guys to fall to them. I thought it was interesting we had this run on quarterbacks, right? So you've got you've got Mon and Trask going back to back, Dan Darnold just landing in, in Carolina and then, you know, this whole Drew Locke experiment still going on in Denver. So mm-hmm. I think um I definitely think Mon is gonna go, you know, much later than this, probably Trask as well. So these guys might be I mean, if you look at Dak Prescott going in the fourth round, you know, are these guys as, as uh, talented as him, so uh, we might see them drop quite a bit. But that's, that's quite a run in the first. I'd have to do the math, right? Is that like six quarterbacks in the top 56? <laughs> that's Something right. Like that. Probably, it's like right? seven quarterbacks, I think, because I, I think we had four in the first four picks, and then we had uh, Mac Jones kind of a little bit later, which I know that, uh, Adam, you're saying he's probably top ten as well, and then two more. Yeah. So within the first 40 picks, we had, we had uh, a sum total of eight. 
Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, is that right? Well, no, seven, seven, seven quarterbacks. Seven. <laughs> That's quite a bit, quite a few. All right, Adam, let's switch it over to you. 38 to 42. What's that up for you? Um, yeah, it's it, it's the quarterbacks, of course, is going to jump out to me. I think Mon's going to be one of those guys that somebody jumps up for in the back end of the first round. You know, that fifth year option, I think, mm. is going to be important to a lot of teams. And him and Mills from Stanford are two guys, in my personal opinion. I, I don't think I think they're getting pushed up again based on just the desperate need. So I'm staying on my prediction. I think that's actually be seven that go in the first round. So if mm-hmm. you're, you know, uh, the Panthers and you can get Kellamon there, I, I think. It's okay value. I, I think that there's. I'm just looking at the board. There's way you know higher rated players. I think that in their current situation, I think you can look at someone later. I, I, I still have Kellen Mond and some of the others is you know day three guys, early day three guys. So mm-hmm. that stands out. And in the in the Kyle Trask, I see with the pick, I get it. I just think he's another one. He's definitely. He's getting elevated by the need and, you know, going on with Steve Mariucci on these shows. He's a smart right. guy. He's a really smart guy. You can see how he's, you know, he was with Peyton Manning camp. So although yep. he doesn't, was not a high school starter and was unusual, he has a pedigree as far as what he did growing up. He did the whole process like the blue chippers do. So I think, you know, second round is probably appropriate. Uh, but I think, you know, those two, I think they probably, you know, belong in the third round. But as far as mocking Ooh. him, yeah, perfect yep. picks. Okay, well, we'll see how they go. I'm, I'm actually very interested to see how the quarterbacks are going to go. I mean, obviously, as you hit yeah. the nail on the head there, Adam, the need is elevating uh, these guys more than the talent. It's certainly the need right. elevating more than the talent. So let's get to the next couple groups, uh, groups here. Uh, 43, San Francisco 49ers, Dan Theory of the Beerfield Fantasy Football Podcast picked Javon Holland, uh, the safety. And then at 44, Joanne took Joseph Osai, the edge rusher for the Dallas Cowboys. At 4-5, uh, Chris Hopper turned around and got Landon Dickerson, the offensive lineman slash center for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And at 46, Ryan Whitfield came back to take Christian Barmore, defensive lineman. And at 47, uh, and that for the Patriots, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned that. Obviously, mm-hmm. Ryan Whitfield only picks for the Patriots. And then at 47, Wole comes back from the urban sports scene, takes Asante Samuels Jr., for the Los Angeles Chargers at 47. So very interesting picks there. Let's start with you, Adam, on that first. Picks 43 to 47. Any of those stand out as good, bad, or ugly? Yeah, well, the good that Javon Holland, um, that safety is a baller. Like, I think that probably only behind Richie Grant out of UCF, he's mm-hmm. probably one of the better safeties in this class. Other than that, what's really interesting is the whole Christian Barmore situation. So at first, like on the outside, I think if people saw this, they'd be like, that's crazy. He's going in the first round. But, you know, as an Alabama fan, I've really been paying attention. And there's been a lot of stuff that's been coming out of him over the last, like, 24, 48 hours about him mm-hmm. not being very coachable, which is crazy to play for Nick Saban and to say that. Uh, not very coachable yeah. and really kind of went against the Alabama grain. But as far as talent, He's going to the right team. So, you know, if Bill Belichick can't get it out of him, nobody can. So I think that, to me, <laughs> out of everything, that pick right there, if he drops that far and I could see it, uh, that stands out as probably one of the best value picks. Yep. All right, Scott, let's turn it to you. Picks 43 to 47. Anything stood out to you as good, bad, or ugly? No, I think it's good. I, I think it's a, a, a show of what you can get there in the second round, right? It's it's a run of all defense. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is second round where teams are, are building for championships and, and all the first round guys get the flash. But 
I mean, you see run of, I guess there's a lineman in there too, right? So almost all linemen and defense. So that's, that's what I love to see. I always say you can never go wrong drafting offensive linemen or defense ever. Yeah. Like <laughs> when in doubt, take those positions. And that's exactly where these landed. And, you know, fans get all wound up about quarterbacks and wide receivers. And, and yeah, obviously quarterbacks are important, but this is where you build your team right here. Yeah, well, it's definitely, um, you know, it's the heart and soul of it. you got to have it. So let's move on to the next grouping here. Let's start at 48. So the Las Vegas Raiders, Joanne picks Dylan Randunce of the, uh, the offensive lineman. And then at uh, 49 for the Arizona Cardinals, Dan Theory took Javante Williams, the running back. And at 50 for the Miami Dolphins, Wole comes back and kicks Kenneth Gainwell, the running back. Interesting. And at 51, Adam, you take... Liam Eckenberg, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. And at 52, the uh, Chris Hopper comes back around for the Chicago Bears, takes Carlos Besham Jr., the edge rusher. All right, Scott, let's start with you first. Picks 48 to 52. What stands out to you as good, bad, or ugly? Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. We just talked about seven to eight quarterbacks going in the top 40 picks, and now here we are down to 50 before we see the third and fourth running back even come off the board. And the, right. the first two came off there at the end. And I think it just shows, you know, this continued uh, devaluation of running backs in the league. And it's, it's really surprising as I was looking through to try to see if I missed one of these guys that, that they'd fallen down this far. Um, so I think, it, you know, again, it just kind of uh, shows where the league's going. And then I think, you know, the Bears, grabbing uh, some edge pressure help there um, to go on their defense, I think just helps things out as they try to, you know, build on what seems to be a semi-talented roster, which I hate to say, but um, <laughs> on you know, defense. The, the Bears are, are building. <laughs> yeah, that's, building that's not at the offense of that yet. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I think the, the Bears actually, if they can continue to build this defense, is, is going to have an interesting year for sure. Yeah, well, it certainly will be interesting to me, being uh, the fan I am and how upset I am that they're stuck with Andy Dalton. I say this every week. Anyway, Adam, let's turn to you, and why don't you give us your thoughts on 48 to 52? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the the back-to-back running backs, as Jeff, I think we're going to see a run on run, uh, running backs. And the one that sticks out is Kenneth Gainwell. I actually have a prospect card coming out. This kid is an unbelievable talent. And the only reason I think he falls a little bit is similar mm-hmm. to Washington running back who actually played with him, Antonio Gibson. They're more in that receiver role. But yeah. what I liked out of Kenneth Gainwell is he might be a little upright, but what I loved about him is just like Antonio Gibson, when they lower their shoulder, they can take people out. So Kenneth Gainwell to me is just, he's going to be a stud on the next level. I just think these Memphis guys, we're going to start, we, you know, we're seeing it with Dallas, with Pollard. Uh, we're seeing it with these guys. It's yep. just going to, it's going to start to be a running back factory. It's just the beginning of it. It's hmm. the way that what they're doing with running backs in Memphis is they're, they're breeding them to play in the modern NFL game. So I think he, Kenneth Gainwell, is just going to be in another long line of, um, you know, the beginning of Memphis studs. Um, but then again, you know, it came to Washington's pick. I was upset that <laughs> Gainwell was off the board at that point. Um, but <laughs> right. I liked uh, Liam Ishenberg, the Notre Dame guy, because really, how can you hate, you know, a, a Notre Dame uh, offensive I agree. Line? I couldn't I think, agree more. <laughs> you know, and I, I think, you know, he is a road grader. He's a guy that's going to come in. He's plug and play, even though Washington has some veterans on that line. You know, he, he's going to come in. He's going to start right away. So if you can get it, you know, back first round, second round pick started right away great value. Um, but yeah, then other than that, 
it's, it's how the board fell. You know, Javante Williams, Dylan Rodriguez. Yeah, those are pretty much where I had those guys. But, um, you know, Kenneth Gainwell and Eichenberg, to me, those are great value at that point. Yeah, and it's interesting because with uh, the Brown trade, I think it takes the Chiefs out of the offensive tackle market, might actually loosen it up a little bit, let some of these guys slide a little bit and get some value for these other teams. So it'll be interesting to see if that has that type of domino effect. Let's get to the next grouping here, 53, Tennessee Titans. Uh, Brevin Jordan, the tight end, Adam, you picked him. Everyone seemed to really like that on Twitter. And then at 54, Scott, you picked Aaron Robinson, the cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts. And then at 55, Scott, you went with Quinn Miniers, the offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I turned around at 56 to pick up Diami Brown, the wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. And at 57, Wole comes to Jamin Davis, the linebacker for the Los Angeles Rams. Let's start with you, Adam. Pick 53 to 57. What do you think? Uh, first, the, the jumps out is Jamin Davis. I think the hype is real. I've watched him, and he's got a lot to work on. But in saying that, I still think a team is going to – they're going to put a first-round investment in him because he, he's that good. Um, hmm. Then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him towards the end of the show, but uh, Quinn Manier, that that's a really good pick right there because I'll go into more detail later on the show about him. But um, a lot of – he started the process fourth, fifth round, and now he's really seen his stock rise. But mm-hmm. Brevin Jordan, the one I picked at Tennessee, like I said, he just makes so much sense. Uh, for the replacement over there because, you know, he's that smaller, uh, quick tight end that they had in Jonu Smith. But the difference is right. with Brevin Jordan, he can actually play that H-back role. He can flex him out. He just makes all the sense in the world for, you know, that, that, that offense is really trying to run the ball. He gets a lot of knock on his lack of blocking. But I'll be honest with you, if you look at this tight end class, other than Tommy Tremble, nobody's going to blow you away, you know, that's worth five rounds. So mm-hmm. all of these guys have work, but Brevin Jordan, like I said, he's had work from the fullback H-back spot, so I think he fits perfect in that system. All right. Okay, Scott, what do you think? Picks 53 to 57, what stands out to you? Yeah, I grabbed uh, Aaron Robinson out of UCF for the Colts. I think uh, it helps him out on the back end of that defense, and, uh, again, you can't go wrong grabbing defense, so I think he'll uh, he'll be able to get on the field for them this year for sure. Okay, all right. Now the last set, we're going to do this all together here. 58, Kansas City Chiefs, which they got from the Baltimore Ravens in that Orlando Brown trade. I took Quincy Roche, the edge rusher, uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs at 58. At 59, uh, Joanne took Jabril Cox, the linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. At 60, Adam, you took Pat Firmuth, the tight end for the New Orleans Saints. A lot of people on Twitter like that too, by the way. And uh, at 61, Joanne took for the Buffalo Bills. Davion Nixon, the defensive tackle. And then at 62, we had Dan Theory coming around with Eric Stokes, the cornerback for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I took, and this is going to be probably highly controversial, but I took Tutu Atwell, the wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs at 63. And at 64, Scott King, you rounded it out with Tillon Wallace, the wide receiver. So I'll start with you, Scott. What sticks out to you and pick 58 to 64? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you see these teams like the Chiefs and the Bucks on the back end, you know, they've got, especially with the Chiefs hole in their offensive line hole, you know, they've got talent, so they're going to grab best available. I think you get uh, Mahomes and Brady some more targets, and that's definitely going to help them out. So they got some wide receivers there on the outside that are going to give them some, some help uh, this season, but guys that don't have to rush onto the field. 
Yep. And okay, Adam, you uh, said the final word on this. Pick 5864. What stands out to you? In the world. Uh, Friar Moose. Honestly, if he does slip this much, it'll be the concern. He did have minor shoulder surgery, but I'm not too concerned. I think he's going to be really good. As far as the Gronk comparisons, I don't know. That might be a little too lofty for him, um, especially, you know, with the Saints offenses. If Drew, Drew Brees was there, maybe, but he's not there anymore. Um, but, man, it's it, perfect is what i got to say. 2-2 out. 2-2 uh-huh. out well to the Chiefs. That's the only, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, yep. that's the only team that I could sit here and pick that I would put him on in the first three rounds, maybe even to fourth, <laughs> maybe. Wow. At 155 pounds okay. soaking wet. But with, yep. with the Kansas City Chiefs, man, he would be, I don't know about his star, but I think you could count on that guy for at least five big plays a year, 500 right. yards, five touchdowns just on offense. So you put him on special teams, maybe see what he could do, try to get some weight on him. But, man, that's a perfect pick for the Chiefs. It's, it's tailor-made. Yep, yep. And, and it's, uh, you know, and I, I had to tell you, he is – he's got to put on some weight. I totally agree with you. He's going to get <laughs> himself crushed in the NFL at 155 pounds. All right, guys, that was fantastic. And you know what time it is right now? Oh, it's a deluxe time. It's not just a regular DIR prospect of the week. It's actually a special DIR prospect segment. And we're going to have Adam here talk about the top small school prospects to watch for in the draft. Adam, take it away. Yeah, it, it's definitely the, the year of the small school uh, offensive linemen because I think we would have had a lot more, but there was a lot of HBCU and other small schools that actually canceled their season and didn't have a season until the spring season. But we talked about Quinn Maniers, the Wisconsin uh, Whitewater. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really high on early in the process, but he started to get a lot of attention. And I think now, and I would say I think we had it a couple of shows ago, and I said I believe he could even go earlier than Ali Marpet went to the to Tampa Bay. I think he's a better uh, prospect. Yep. He's a day one plug and play. Um, after that, you know, a guy that I interviewed was David Moore out of Grambling. He's another one yeah. that I think you, you know, right guard, I'm not sure right away, but I think the left guard, <clears throat> when he has – uh, a stable left tackle, not even, you know, Pro Bowl level, but a stable left tackle. I think he's that Mauler type that would fit awesome. And, you know, we'll continue the trend with uh, offensive linemen. I've got uh, Spencer Brown, which he's actually getting a lot of notoriety from Northern Iowa. Uh, I think it'll be questionable if he could stay at left tackle, which is a lot of people, I think he might ultimately have to switch to right tackle. He's definitely not a candidate I see to move inside, just personally. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, two more guys I have. I've done Deontay Smith, uh, left tackle, East Carolina. So not quite as small as the other one, but he's one of those guys that's going to come in the athletic um, Armstead type guys that are going to come and really be good in that zone blocking scheme anywhere where it's going to ask their tackles to get on space. But the last guy that I, I just feel that's not getting nearly enough attention, he's a day three prospect, but I see him, you know, I think he falls more in that fourth round. Uh, early fifth round territory is Jared Patterson of uh, mm-hmm. back at a Buffalo 404 yards in one game with eight touchdowns. Ooh. You can say level of competition all you want to, you know, but I saw him in the, he was training the other day and the Buffalo offense did not focus on the receiving game. They did not use their running backs in that. So he wanted to show, you know, at the, at the pro day that he could do that. And man, this kid, you know, when we were seeing how, um, you know, some of these prospects are coming in just chiseled, that was Patterson. He was catching everything he was thrown. So, yeah, it, it's pretty much heavy offense. I mentioned the guy we had on the show before, Mac McCain, the great story uh, from North Carolina uh, A&T. Yep. 
other than him, I don't see too many guys coming up too much earlier from uh, the small school level. But, yeah, those are that's my group. I uh, hope next year we'll get a bigger group with maybe a combine and more chance to have more interviews. But, yeah, that's, that's my group. I'd be very offensive uh, line heavy this year with the small yeah, schoolers. Yeah, so, and everybody, don't sleep on the small schoolers. They are impact players. And if you want to know more about that, go check out the Burgundy and Gold Report.com because there are all the prospect cards and all the prospect information and draft information you could ever want. If you're a draft fan, go check it out. Uh, thanks, Adam. Always great stuff there. Let's hit the bell here because I want to get to our last subject, the topic real quick. What we do every year, NFL draft prop bets. So we're going to go through each of these. I'm going to, each, uh, I'm going to go to Scott first, then Adam, and uh, we'll take your, uh, take your picks. All right? So first question, first prop bet, Jamar Chase draft position. Over or under five and a half? Right now, money line is at minus one fifteen. Scott, what do you got? Over. Over. All right, Adam. Uh, over. Over, and I also have over. Over. So let's make that a clean sweep right there. I kind of, okay, second one. Uh, Kyle Pitts. Oh, this is going to be a good one. Kyle Pitts draft position. Over under five and a half. The over is five and a half. Is uh, plus 100, under 5.5 is minus 130 right now at the money line. So uh, let's go, Scott. What do you got? Over 5.5 or under 5.5 for Kyle Pitts? Uh, over 5.5, and, and it better be over 7.5. Whoa, what? Over 7.5? Oh, my God. Okay, that <laughs> yeah, sounds like the that's a personal. Okay. <laughs> Adam, what do you think? Uh, he's going to be disappointed. It's going to be under for sure. Generational mm-hmm. talent. Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be under as well. I think someone's going to go down there and grab him. All right, next yep. one, Trey Lance. They'll be interesting because we don't know. We know the quarterbacks are going. We don't know what order they're going to go to uh, after Trevor Lawrence. Trey Lance over under six and a half. The over six and a half sitting at plus one hundred. The under six and a half sitting at minus one thirty. Scott, what do you got? Over or under six and a half. Under teams always overpay for a quarterback. Okay, and what do you got there, Adam? Over or under six and a half. Uh, I'm going to say over on this one. Over. Okay, interesting. Um, that's going to be – so that, that means you're kind of banking on, on Mac Jones getting selected down there in, the, in that top five or that's six position. Think, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yep. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with under. I think the hype is there, and uh, it's going to carry him a little bit. There's been a lot of backlash about uh, people giving bad reads on uh, Josh Allen three years ago, uh, resurfacing that cold looks looking bad now because he actually has proven himself. Anyway, first non-quarterback to be drafted. Okay, guys, first non-quarterback to be drafted. The choices are Kyle Pitts at plus 130, Penai Soil at plus 225, uh, Jamar Chase at plus 225, Rashawn Slater plus 900, Patrick Sertain at plus 2,000, and Micah Parsons at plus 2,000. Obviously, those two pay out a ton if they hit, but what's the first non-quarterback to be drafted? Scott. I go Sewell. Okay. All right. And what do you got there, uh, Adam? I think it'll be Pitts. And I am also on board with Pitts. All right. So let's see what happens there. And let's go on to the first wide receiver drafted. Jamar Chase at minus 600. Devontae Smith at plus 600. Jalen Waddell at plus 700. Rashad Bateman at plus 4,000. So clearly, Jamar Chase clearly favored. What do you got there, Scott? Yeah, I'll go with Chase. Sure. Chase it is. And then what do you got, Adam? Chase, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I can't – I love Devontae Smith, honestly. I really love Devontae Smith. 
Uh, you know what? Hell, what the hell? I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. Let me get that payout, guys. I'm gonna get, I need some cash, some walking around cash. All right, running back drafted. First running back drafted. We just talked about this a little bit. Najee Harris at minus 145. Travis Etienne at plus 160. Javante Williams at plus 475. Scott, who do you have? I'll take Etienne and, and the odds. All right. All right. And uh, Adam? Um, I'm going to agree. All right. Let's make it a clean sweep. We all got Travis Etienne yep. at plus 160. We're all going to make money on that one. Next question. Quarterback to be selected with each of the first four picks. Will there be a quarterback selected with each of the first four picks of the NFL draft? Yes, at minus 150. No, at plus 125. Scott, what do you got? I'm going to go yes, but not the teams that are currently sitting there. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a pretty good pretty good take there. Adam, what do you think? Can you just repeat that one more time for me? I lost you real quick. Oh, I said uh, quarterback to be selected with each of the first four picks. Uh, yes, plant minus 150. No, plus 125. Scott said yes, uh, but uh, but not necessarily those four teams that are there. Right, exactly, yes. Okay, and that's a clean sweep for us. Last question, guys. Total tight ends drafted in the first round. Total tight ends drafted in the first round over under 1.5. Over 1.5 is plus 350. Under 1.5, minus 500. So what do you got, Scott? I'll take the plus 350. All right. (laughs) All right. Take some money. We get some money. All right, Adam, what do you got? I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with Scott as well. Let's all make some money. Let's make it a clean sweep, and let's all (laughs) take those two tight ends. Man, we are going to have so much cash at the end of this draft, and that brings us to the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show. always goes so quick. Adam, I know you have plenty to promo this week, so fire away. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Uh, We just dropped our 20th prospect card with our good friend Jeremy Bell, uh, who we had on the show uh, back in the beginning of the month. And I just want to say, you know, what a great guy. You know, I've been doing this for a couple years with some interviews. And out of everyone, I think we've talked to and I've talked to, Jeremy Bell is, you know, one of the best heads on his shoulder. And I didn't mean to leave him off the list. It's I, I do think he is going to be drafted at some point, probably in the later portions of the sixth, seventh round. But, you know, great uh, opportunity there. But, yeah, um, tomorrow I'll be on Sidelines Washington. Uh, that is my other co-host gig. And, as always, nice. just check us out on the burgundyandgoldreport.com. Uh, we just hit 20 cards. We're going to go for 25 by draft night. And, uh, yeah, just really excited for the draft night, man. Always the overachiever, Adam. You're always the overachiever. Doing too much. All right. Scott, you going to give us uh, your social media so people can follow you? Yeah, hit me up at uh, NFL Fantasy underscore more on Twitter. Always happy to uh, interact with uh, the fans, and, and I'll be definitely online Thursday night destroying whatever the lines do as well as some <laughs> other teams. So. so, in other words, no <laughs> change. No change. You'll be destroying what That's the lines right. do all yeah. the time, no matter what. I got you. All right. Hey, everybody, you can follow me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time. And once again, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. And until next time, get ready for the NFL Draft. Yeah. <laughs>